How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Suncast. I am your host, Reagan Harrell. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. It's going to be a really, really special episode today. We are going to really start getting into Sun Conference basketball. We're going to dip our toes in the water, I think, more like it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the top team that I feel like in both the men and, and on the women's side. And that's kind of a preview for what's going to be coming up next week. So next week, we are going to get more into the swing of things, back to normal normal schedule. I'm back in class, back in beautiful Babson Park. And we're going to get back on usually probably about two episodes a week. For those who don't know, uh, I, am, I have taken another position at NAISB. Uh, it's something that I started up with a few other um, individuals including Mimi Maggard, uh, you know, many uh, softball fans of the Sun Conference of Weber Softball obviously know her. Uh, we're doing that covering the entire, uh, all of NAI softball. And we've been really busy with that, doing conference previews. In fact, right when I'm done recording with this, I'm going to hop on with uh, Taylor. And I don't think Mimi's going to be joining us for this episode, but we'll be previewing a couple other conferences in the NAIA. If you want to, go check it out on Instagram at NAI underscore SB, and you go to YouTube, iPodcast, or Spotify, and check out our most recent episode where we previewed the Sun Conference. Of course, right? We're going to start somewhere. It's got to start down here with, with all of us, right? So go check that out. Also had Southeastern softball coach Kayla Watkins on a really great interview with her. Speaking of Sun Conference softball coaches, that is exactly who we have on the show today, Coach Todd Buckingham of Weber International University. I sat down and talked with him, and I tell you, I don't know if I have laughed as much in an interview, especially um, you know, with, with, with the coach, as much as I did with Coach Buck. He was awesome, really loved having him on the show. Um, let's see, some other housekeeping things. Oh, uh, for those who follow on Instagram, if you don't, at Suncast IG, you've seen, uh, you've most likely seen the new studio set up. I am recording in that right now. I've been working on a few different, uh, you know, things for getting better audio, still workshopping it. And it's a new system, new Rockville uh, setup, really, re really great setup. Uh, if y'all ever get into, you know, podcasting or want to do anything like that, folks over it. Rockville do a great job. No free ads, though. <laughs> uh, also, tomorrow, 9 a.m., the Suncast Shop will open. It's just something, uh, you know, it's just something I've been wanting to do for a while. Wanted to kind of get back into clothing, uh, you know, merchandise. That's something that I've done in my past. So why not? Let's go ahead and do it with Suncast. And I'll be honest, the merch has turned out great. The hoodies are beautiful i love the logo on the front uh that logo is on the front with the outline of georgia florida and the locations of all the schools that's on the back of the t-shirts we've also got hats and beanies that'll be on there uh i think everything's so fairly reasonably reasonably priced so if you can go and check it out and show your support and yeah really appreciate y'all so i think that wraps up all the housekeeping things so let's get into today's episode so at the end of it, we will have Coach Buck on again. Great interview, hilarious, hilarious guy. About a 26-minute uh, interview. I was talking with Taylor Thomas, yes, uh, not yesterday, day before. And I said, look, man, if you want to play a fun little game, every time I, I have somebody on, uh, you know, bet the over-under about 25, 25 and a half minutes for an interview. This seems like they all 
go around there. I feel like that's a that's a good time. You're 25 minutes. That's good. You you get the information, but you're not holding them up all day and ask for the listener. You know, I feel like 20 25 minutes. You get you get to know a person. You probably uh, you get on. And most of y'all probably have turned me off after 20 25 minutes of listening to me in general. But we'll have him on at the end. But we have got to get into a sport that. I've not covered before, you know. For, quite frankly, I'm not the you know biggest NBA fan or anything, but I've gotten more, more more into it, covering it now, and it's gotten to the point of the year, mid-January, we are starting to see teams develop into potential conference uh, winners. And looking at the top of the conference, uh, you know, we'll start on the women's side. Coach Stanback's team is absolutely incredible down there at Florida Memorial. They have got a great duo in Ayulo and uh, Ahmad down there. And I got to see them firsthand, I believe, yeah, last night, Thursday night, got to see them play Weber. I was on the call for that game, and it was not even close. It was a boat racing right from the beginning. Back-to-back performances from Coach Stanback's side, putting up 90 points in the Sun Conference. Currently 7-1 and one in the conference, and I don't think they were a team at the beginning of the year a lot of people really looked at as you know potential sun conference tournament favorites but it looks like certainly they could get that one c i want to get more um into how interesting both the men's and the women's side of this conference is in basketball Uh, we'll do that a little bit later later on but you know the other team that's been playing extremely well and got to give a shout out to our the weber international university Warriors, but they have been absolutely stellar. They've won their last. Let's look back at their last three games alone. Impressive wins against the former number one team in the Sun Conference, the Thomas Nighthawks. Then they took on the number two team in the conference in Ave Maria. And then last night against Florida Memorial. Again, I was on the call for that game, and that was a just a run and gun shootout. I don't think any team got to a lead of more than probably seven or eight throughout the entire night. It was back and forth action. Weber ended up on top. So number one, the uh, look about a month ago, number not even a month ago, about a week or two ago, is number one team. Thomas took care of business. Ave Maria earlier this week, number two took care of business, and then the reigning Sun Conference tournament champions, Florida Memorial, knocked them off. And that kind of brings me to my point of this season and why I think down the stretch basketball is going to be something that if you're not even a fan of or if maybe if your school's around that six or seven seed to absolutely stay tuned into Sun Conference basketball on the men's and the women's side. The reason is when we get to this point of the year, we're kind of halfway through conference play and this is in any sport, you can usually – you have a pretty good idea of one or two teams that – have a good shot of winning the conference. Uh, every now and then you have teams that emerge uh, and win a tournament that you're not expecting. But I don't – that's just absolutely not the case in this go-around for basketball. I, I think especially on the men's side, it is wide open. If you tell me right now that you're from the future and you say Weber won the tournament, Thomas won, wins a tournament, Kaiser, Ave Maria – Southeastern, if any of those teams win the tournament, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I think we're going to go into a tournament where all six seeds, the gap between them is unbelievably small. You know, we see it more with baseball, I guess would be a, a main comparison off the top of my head. They are competitive top 
up and down, but still you have your Southeastern's number one, and then there's Weber now and St. Thomas and Kaiser. Well, I'm going to talk myself in, in, into baseball. I'm not going to do that right now. But uh, on the basketball side, on the men's basketball side of things, I think this year is going to be incredible. You know, down the stretch, whoever wins the conference tournament is a one seed. They better be ready for their first matchup against uh, whoever that may be in after or in, into the second round, whoever that opponent may be, because you look at a possible five or six seed for this tournament could very well be Southeastern. Now, Southeastern has struggled this year, but of course they have Mr. Riley Minix and he's arguably the best player in this conference. And in that last sentence, arguably has become uh, an, uh, very, very more, how do we say, apparent. And when we when we talk about Riley Minix as one of the best players in, in the conference, because coming into this year, it was you know, him and him alone if you were going to pick an MVP. However, young man um, down in Babson Park, Kashawn Stokes, very well may have something to say about that, and we'll get into that uh, in a second. That's kind of a little next segment tease right there for all the young younger podcasters but to, to go back to to my point we saw last night florida memorial who's you know I, I believe right now on the outside looking in not even a tournament team take on weber international who's been the hottest team in the conference just beat thomas and ave maria and i believe right now are they have the same conference record as thomas at six and one and have the head-to-head -head win and Florida Memorial took them down to the wire. I mean, incredible game. Weber really hunkered down the last about 90 seconds, uh, win the game by six. But majority of that game, it was two points, one point, three points, back and forth. And you can't forget about the other team in Miami Garden. St. Thomas has been playing stellar basketball all season. And, oh, yeah, let's not forget about the team that was picked to finish in the cellar dead last in this conference, the Thomas Nighthawks. They're still right there. They're going to make the tournament. Kaiser's keeping right up there with everybody. It's going to be really interesting down this stretch. Uh, yeah, a couple of things that I'm really going to look for, though, when we get – or let's see. When we talk about when we get to conference tournament, I think that's a little too far away. So I think some things that I'm going to look for going down the stretch is bench play and consistency from you know men's and women's side when we get when we get to this to, to the tournament i don't think the talent you know outside of a guy you know like minix or stokes and you know, a couple of others you there's not really any teams that have two or three players that are just worldly above everybody else in the conference so what we're going to see when we get into conference uh, tournament play or before that before tournament play and down the stretch, we'll get to see coaches go a little bit deeper in the bench as you know players unfortunately start to pick up these little knick-knack injuries here or there. We'll have to see some people step up. Saw it last night for, for Weber. Uh, Gavin Buchanan came off of the bench and provided some key moments and had a huge play against Ave Maria. Uh, when that game was close late in the second half, he had a steal and turned it in into a layup and that changed the momentum and ultimately the outcome of the game with Weber doing that and there's many other guys in the conference um, and you know just hand up I've only watched a, a handful uh, of games at least one for each team but you know with, with with me back back and doing episodes for of course I'll be keeping up with things much more which uh, will kind of lead, lead me into this next little tease here next week will be a very heavy basketball 
interview wise because we are going to have on first on Tuesday's episode we're going to have coach stand back from Florida Memorial and then on the later week episode probably Thursday or Friday then we'll go back to that Tuesday Friday posting format I, I like that a lot um, that might change when we get into baseball and softball though uh, with weekend series probably record on Sunday and then post Sunday night to give those um, instant reactions but we'll wait till diamond sports for that anyways we'll have coach stand back on on the first episode of next week and then which will be on tuesday and then yes on friday's episode going to have on coach rutledge over at weber international university men's basketball coach there um i want one more one more little thing to stir the pot before i kick it over to myself and coach buck there are two players in this conference that I think could start for almost any team in the NAI. And th- well, there's a couple others, a certain guy, a couple certain guys, they both play for teams with Thomas in their names. But I do think the two best players in this conference are Minix and Stokes. So, of course, when we have a one versus two debate, and this was something that uh, my partner Jeff Molesky uh, on the broadcast last night, him and I were talking about, look, Minix is obviously a future professional basketball player um, you know he's going to play some either in the G League or if he doesn't make it to the NBA he'll be playing in the G League or he'll be playing overseas somewhere I don't think there's really any doubt about that I mean what he does stats wise you just look at his stats alone he's incredible you know he's a walking 30 and 15 at the NAI level uh, but you look at Stokes and Stokes it's a little similar 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 we for the you know Jordan LeBron debate, which is overplayed, I'm not going to do the whole rings or anything like that debate. But quite frankly, Weber has been winning more this year. I mean, that's point blank. It is what it is. Weber has had a better season than Southeastern, and the best player on their team has been Kashawn Stokes. You know, almost every time that I'm posting a Suncast graphic for a Weber men's basketball victory, it's Stokes. Now, occasionally we've had a, a Eddie Davis on on there as well, but uh, he has been incredible, and he has led this offense. That, and not only that, he's been a leader on the defensive side of the ball, which you don't always see out of a smaller guard like Stokes. Uh, you know, if you ask me who's a guy I'd rather have on my team, I think it'd be pretty tough to pick against Riley Minix. But just looking at what Stokes has done and taking this team, and of course, this is um, you know largely accredited too to Coach Rutledge for getting his team like this. But I don't think you would have told. You know, anybody besides you know, Coach Rutledge uh, or anybody in Babson Park that's playing basketball, if we were going to be in mid-January and they were going to be the top team in this conference. So just something for, um, you know, people to people to think about. Would you rather have Minix or Stokes? I, you know, personally, it's hard, it's hard for me to go against a guy that I'm watching play, uh, you know, almost every night in Stokes and getting to call his games. But Minix is – he's a freak. Um, you know, had him on – earlier uh in the year he's a great guy love love riley but it's gonna be interesting down the stretch and if riley Minix does turn it on to that to his next level for the, the conference tournament <laughs> that, I, th- I think that's just i think that's just one of the things that makes this this tournament coming up so interesting i think we're going to see massive upsets on, on the women's side as well we will but this men's side it is going to be impossible to correctly predict it. Um, you, you might get lucky and figure out here and there, but just look at, just looking at the teams, I think that I could easily talk myself into winning the tournament. Weber, 
Thomas, St. Thomas. Ave Maria Kaiser, I guess a step down from those three, but still. And then Southeastern. And you got Warner sitting right there, who I picked to be the runner-up this year. And I don't, and that, that, the way it's looking, they're probably not going to make the tournament. There's a list of those six teams, and I <laughs> seven team and Warner, and who knows if they catch fire. They could do it. I don't think they will, but maybe. We know what all these other teams could do. At some point, they've all been up at the top. <laughs> and like I said, I mean, Minix is just a wild card, you know? If he goes out here and drops 40 and 20, it's going to be a tough day to beat the fire, especially against, uh, you know, Weber does such a good job with the offensive rebounding, <laughs> and he's the best rebounder in the conference. That's a matchup for way on down the line. All right, I want to kick it over to myself and Coach Buck. Really appreciate y'all coming in. Love y'all. And, yeah, we're going to have a great, great spring semester. I'm so excited. Um, you know, to be back and back in the run of things. Uh, once again, Suncast Shop is dropping tomorrow, so go and check that out. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Y'all have a good one. And here is myself and Coach Todd Buckingham of Weber International University Softball. All right, we welcome on a very special guest to the Suncast uh, podcast show. I feel like I've been doing this long enough. I, I should be able to say a little, little bit smoother, but hey. We all, we're not all perfect. Coach Todd Buckingham is joining the program Weber International University softball coach. Coach, thank you so much for coming on, and you know, how are you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Doing great, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be here and talk a little bit about uh, being a Warrior uh, softball coach. Yeah, I, I said uh, leading into the episode that you know Weber softball is one of the most interesting teams in the Sun Conference, and that doesn't exclude to just Weber International, and that doesn't just ex exclude to uh, softball in the Sun Conference. A new team, pretty much, I mean, last year's team was excellent, went to Columbus, and I'm sure you're ready to get out on the field 2023 and show what this new Warrior regime is going to look like. But let's talk a little bit about your success prior to coming to Babson Park. You began your coaching career, Division II, at Bluefield State College, yep. turned that program into you know, not, not much of a winning program, to with by, by season six it was a usual 30 win program mm -hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit about that experience of turning the program around and how big that that confidence was for early in your coaching career sure you know it as it turns out you know bluefield state college was one of those places where um it was really just about making an effort and you know when i took the job i was you know fairly young uh, had no idea uh, what to expect as far as recruiting and all the the uh, the grind and just went out and worked hard and you know the players talent was always there it was just finding the right uh, developmental uh, avenue for each individual so and I, I think you know it, that particular job starting someplace where I had to like really figure out who I was as who I wanted to be as a coach um, helped me along the way and it was it's kind of funny is like now if I talk to coaches now that are just getting into the program or getting into the uh, profession you know one of my things is like just always be you like be true to yourself and it's kind of funny if I reflect back like I guarantee my first three years at Bluefield State I kind of acted differently every single year <laughs> until I figured out okay this is really who I want to be and this is how I want to act as a coach right um, but yeah I mean as far as confidence you know, I've never been one of those people that like second guessed myself a whole lot or needed some sort of um, 
extrinsic, uh, you know, stimuli for confidence. Um, I'm not saying I was always arrogant, but it was always just like, hey, I believed in my own envision. I believed in just working hard to get things done. Um, so I'm very thankful for having that, you know, chance to start my career there. Um, and uh, look where it's got me now. So <laughs> beautiful. You're a beautiful Babson part, all from Bluefield State. That's in Virginia, West Virginia. It uh, is, yeah, it's in West Virginia, right on the uh, West Virginia, Virginia border, uh, Coal Mountain country. Gotcha. Uh, well, much better w weather down here. You know, know it. You know it. <laughs> you said it took you a couple of years. You changed your coaching personality yeah. into what it is now. And I think that's what, whatever you do, you're, if you're the same as when you start, uh, unless you're just perfect right from the get-go, which I, I've not heard many <laughs> stories like that. you got to be able to do it. You know, what, what were some moments that in your coaching journey you were kind of like, okay, this is what I can do better. And looking back, you know, you, we're not going to say how many years, but yeah, years yeah. later, <laughs> you, you thought to be one of the bigger successes you know, from early on in your career. Well, I, I, I remember when I first started coaching softball because my – career path you know how everybody when they get that degree like this is what I want to be right and I'd always thought to myself because where I grew up uh, I was going to be a high school basketball coach and a science teacher basketball was religion there right so of course I emulated my coaching style you know after you know the the likes of Bob Knight um, so I thought hey you got to go in set this tone be hard blah 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 so I just I specifically remember a story when I started at Bluefield State and where we went, we went, traveled down south, and we were playing in a game, and I thought, you know what? I think what's going to fire the team up is if I go out and I chew out the, the pitcher because um, the pitcher and I had a pretty good relationship, and, you know, she had always said, you know, like, if you need to get on me, get on me. But I guess she didn't mean uh, right in the middle of the game <laughs> when um, what, what was going wrong had nothing to do with her. And I just remember going out to in the middle of the game and just screaming at the top of my lungs, and instead of taking it, she just screamed right back. And, of course, I just had nothing. I had no response. I'm like, all right, this did not go well. And I just walked back to the dugout. And, then, you know, it was just stuff like that it just helps you, like, yeah. reflect. and be like, wait a minute. That's not who I am. That's not how I want to be treated and talked to. And, you know, those sort of things have just sort of helped me uh, learn what not to do and what I'd like to do better. So, Well, if I'm, if I'm up in, in the – Box this year, and I see you go out there and yell at Jenna a little loud. I have to, have to mention, you know, I think it's something he might look back at, and he may not exactly think he's. Yeah, he those days are past. Things. Those days are gone. I'm not like that anymore. Right. Well, <sighs> let's talk a little bit more uh, about your coaching career before Babson Park. Something sure. I found really interesting when I was reading your uh, bio was you coached with the U.S. Athletes International Organization. Yes. Where you coached you know, in many different countries. You know, what was that experience like going and seeing softball internationally? And, you know, what, what were some of the, your favorite countries to see their style of play? I'll tell you what, it's um, – that was one of the best experiences that I've had in my career is being able to go to different countries, experience their culture, and how they operate on the softball field. Um, you know, it's just – when uh, taking trips to Curacao and Aruba um, and the fact that they play loud music through the entire game. Um, whereas here, you know, it's like, oh, you got to turn that music off before the first pitch or this or that. Right. I mean, just cultural differences like that have just been very uh, refreshing and, you know, eye-opening to see. And I would say my favorite country that I've been able to coach international uh, trips on in has been Australia because – 
just the level of competition, the level of um, detail to the fundamentals of softball uh, was pretty high in Australia, and it was a, it was a good time. But you know, as far as like just good cultural experiences, uh, Aruba and Curacao were very very different and eye opening. Um, but all in a positive way of like, oh my gosh, it, it really is just about having fun, you right. know? So, I, I think that's a big part of the game is just having fun. Mm-hmm. And when I went to Columbus, I don't think I had much of a love or really even an appreciation for the game, certainly not to the level that I did w- when I left. And seeing it at such a high level, mm-hmm. even uh, you know NAI College World Series, it, it was incredible there. And that's really where I fell in love with the sport. Yeah. And then hearing what it is internationally, uh, th- that, that's that's incredible, and you see the similar things uh, with baseball. I saw on Instagram a, a couple weeks ago Ronald Acuna Jr. and I'm sure you, everybody knows, oh, yeah, you know yeah. who that is. <laughs> and he was in his hometown, I think uh, Venezuela, and they were in just like this old, look like just like what I played in when I go back home with, mm-hmm. with the boys, something like that, just a backyard, and they're yep. blasting music, and he's in his Braves gear hitting balls all the way back to truest, <laughs> truest park. <laughs> but I, I think that's a huge part of diamond sports in general, baseball yeah. and softball. You know, having fun. It, it's something that the game has lost maybe a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think we're starting to see it back. Uh, you know, softball, baseball, baseball a little bit less. But I think softball is just such a fun sport. And I imagine internationally. Uh, Coach, you've had a lot of success at the NAI and Division II level. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit earlier about things from early on in your coaching career, but maybe more recently, and just talk about some of your favorite moments throughout your coaching career. Sure. Um, I would say most of my top moments um, take place at the NAIA Institute that I coached at um, several, multiple years ago, uh, Indiana University Southeast. Um, It was amazing to know that I was able to start that program. Like I was the first ever coach there. And, you know, I coached there six years, and we made the uh, World Series three times. And one of my favorite memories um, was the very, very first year of existence for that program. Uh, We ended up winning the conference tournament, um, and no one expected us to. Like, it was a brand-new program, just sort of out of nowhere sort of thing. So winning that conference tournament that year was was amazing. And then um, I would say another – unbelievably uh, amazing feeling of a year was uh, we were at a conference tournament again uh, this is still at IUS uh, at a conference tournament uh, late in the game in the championship game uh, and won the game on a push bunt that was not fielded properly and then when they did field it they panicked and the outfielder threw it away and and we end up scoring two runs it was like a walk-off push bunt error Um, so that was just you know like an amazing amazing type of feeling um, and I would say another great memory was when I was coaching at a Division II, uh, Saginaw Valley State, um, winning uh, the conference tournament there. Uh, after a rain delay, we were afraid because we were not the number one seed. We were afraid that the whole tournament was going to get canceled, but they end up saying, no, nope, we'll drop it to a single elimination, and we ran the gauntlet and beat everybody uh, in a single elimination style with one dominant pitcher we called her the franchise um and um i just remember you know what that feeling was like uh of finally throwing that last pitch and winning that and advancing into the ncaa uh playoffs there so 
I guess most of my great memories uh, revolve around uh, actually winning because I guess at the end of the day, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah, imagine that winning. That That's the most fun part of sports. But winning when you're not necessarily expected to win, which sounds like you, you have done before, yeah. that's got to be w one of the best feelings. I think it is the best feeling winning-wise in sports. I mean, I, I'm a Georgia football fan. I'll say back-to-back -back national champs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a win. I mean, what are you talking right. about? <laughs> but uh, you coach at the NAI in Division II level. I think yeah. the NAI is often compared to, to Division II when it Absolutely. is looked at uh, on the NCAA scale. I think a lot of people think it's better than Division Three, but still not quite Division One. But let's talk about that just that Division II level. Where do you see the NAI, and how far is it from Division Two on just a talent standpoint? Uh, Talent-wise, when we are talking about the best of the best at the Division Two and best of the best at the NAIA, there is no difference. So I think if somehow, you know, in a uh, uh, parallel world, if like Division Two and NAIA just absorbed each other and it was one division, I don't think anyone would see a difference as it pertains to the, you know, elite of the elite sort of thing. I think one of the biggest things that uh, is evident, uh, at least in my experience, is there's just a, a, a larger gap in Division Two and NAI as far as across the board. You know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but let's just use the, uh, you know, generic numbers of there's 200 Division Two softball programs and there's 200 NAIA softball programs. If you compared like the top 50s in each division, it's seamless, I think. But it's those lower ones that where you're like, oh, Division Two is – you know, seemingly uh, above NAI because, like, in my experience, and again, I haven't had any NAI games here, and I know this conference is fantastic, but I know in my previous six years of an N being an NAI coach, like, there were some uh, games that we had against opponents where I'm like, ah, I'm not so sure you can't find a high school uh, team that could beat them, you know? Sort of thing. Yeah, I get that, and I, can, I, 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 can, I completely understand that as well, you know, and I was talking about it. There are these teams at the top. There are mm -hmm. your Southeasterns, your USAOs, your OKCs that are at the top. Your Webers. You, your Webers, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 was just, I was just trying to think. Let me pick out a couple, couple top five real quick. After, your Webers, yes. <laughs> your, your top teams. But what I am starting to see and, uh, you know, b being able to talk with some coaches over in the Heart of America Conference, they're starting to see it as well. The, the, you're starting to see outside of that top, those top 50 programs. You're starting to see you know, teams that are maybe fringe conference tournament teams go and be able to compete with top teams. I think you could, we'll see, this, see that in the Sun Conference this year with teams like Ave Maria on the come up, Thomas and Warner, you know, not teams that made opening round, but you know, I think they have a very good chance of competing with y'all, Coastal, and Southeastern. Well, I hope not. I, well, yeah, I know, I know you hope not, but you know, from my standpoint. No, make the conference. Right, and I mean, for, for, from you know a fan, and from my standpoint, I hope every game's three to two and six to five, or mm -hmm. you know one or two, and that, that just makes for great games. Uh, we'll get more into Weber, uh, you know, after this question. But I, I got to talk to you just a little bit mm -hmm. about your experience at Western Michigan. Mm -hmm. You got to uh, be an assistant coach, and you were the primary rec recruiter for mm -hmm. the Broncos mm -hmm. up there. Just tell me a little bit about what you're looking for in a student athlete, both on and off the field, when you're recruiting them. Sure. Um, you know, I get asked this question a lot of like, hey, coach, you know, like, how can we stand out uh, in the recruiting process? And, you know, without being like overly sarcastic, you know, the first thing that stands out uh, is talent. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when we're uh, when we're out recruiting, walking by a field, or we're watching videos that people have sent us. Like, you know, if we see talent that we're looking for, what you know, whatever skill set we might be looking for, that's obviously the first thing that stands out. You know, you need to grab somebody's attention that way, right? right. Um, but beyond that. Being a successful collegiate athlete is way, way beyond just talent. Um, and what I try to help people understand is in the recruiting process is that I can coach skill, but I cannot coach will. So whatever skill you may have at the moment, if I can like visualize down the road that I can improve that on, you know, that's fantastic. But what, what each individual will have to show to me is, you know, what their work ethic is, you know, do they have, uh, you know, very good social skills? Are they, you know, going to be those kind of kids that embrace the grind of being a collegiate athlete? Because regardless of what division you're going to be at, D1, D2, D3, NAI, our jobs as coaches is to win or we don't get to keep jobs. So obviously we want to surround ourselves with good talent, but we also have to surround ourselves with good character people that have that will that, hey, I'm going to treat this serious. I know that I'm supposed to have fun, but it's not just a quote-unquote game. Uh, there is a lot on the line. Absolutely, and you you hit the nail on the head there at the end for, for me. you got to have people that have the willpower to go into it. Yeah, obviously talent. If you have the most talented and you have the best group in the conference or in the country, of course you're going to have a great shot. But you've got to have great character and great will. And you get to see a lot of well raw talent and what you have this year being the first year – in Babson Park, so let's let's do get let's get into it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, let's really talk about this about what we're here to talk about. What everybody everybody's been waiting 16 minutes. They want to hear about what this uh, former World Series team uh, is going to be in 2023. Everybody knows new coaching staff. You you lost a couple of your top bats, top arm from last year. Mm -hmm. But let me let, let's hear who are some new faces that we can be excited to see in a Warrior uniform this year. Sure. Um, a lot of the faces that people will see on the field uh, were, you know, honestly in the program last year. But because they were so, you know, because of last year's team was so um, built around that experience, you know, at all those positions, people might have noticed who's on the field this year on the program or in the program, but they might not have seen them play. So, you know, I do know that we do have some experience. We do have some individuals um, that did compete at that World Series level. You know, Genesis Aviles, uh, Brandy Barquin, um, and, you know, our, our um, returning most veteran pitcher, Jenna, um, you know, and uh, our catcher, you know, Maddie. You know, those are individuals that have been on the field in those sort of championship um, atmospheres. So we are going to rely, you know, on their leadership. But, you know, beyond that, you know, there are a lot of players that, again, might have had Weber stuff on last year, but people in the Sun Conference, people uh, throughout um, the NAIA, they're going to be very, very pleasantly surprised uh, about what these individuals can get accomplished. I mean, I, personally, I can't wait to see it. And I, something that you said is something I've told people. I'm like, yeah, they have lost a lot of good players, but there are like, like uh, Barkwin, like. Uh, Genesis and we'll see Jenna more experience uh, and I, I'm sure she learned a lot from Kayla last year being a part of that one-two duo with with uh, Kayla Swenson mm -hmm. 
I think this is going to be a very fun team. Uh, I'm sure you can speak more on if there is a chip on the shoulder uh, because of you know how y'all feel go, going forward. But you know maybe just for this year and you know next coming years, can you just tell us you know, what are some of your short-term goals for Weber softball? Sure. Uh, short-term wise is just to get one percent better every day. And I know that's a coaching cliche. You know, oh, you, gotta, you know, say all the coaching things so you don't step on anybody's toes, but. <laughs> right. You know, but short-term goal, obviously, is to be as successful as we possibly can be, right? Um, but in the short term, it is, you know, get 1% better every single day to where we put ourselves in an opportunity. We give ourselves a chance to repeat as Sun Tournament champions. Right. And I firmly believe if you make the postseason, regardless if you were the one seed or the 4700th seed, you make it. You got a shot. It's about getting hot at the right time and finding the right chemistry sort of thing. So that's short-term goal is to, you know, repeat as tournament champions. Right. And what about, uh, you know, NAI institutions? You try not to look too much long forward-wise, but, uh, you know, things do pan out well at Weber. You know, what, what's something that you look for long-term with not just the Weber program, but right now the student-athletes that are in the program? Sure. You know, it, I'm glad you asked this because uh, this is part of my recruiting spiel that I, when I'm recruiting for 23s and 24s and beyond. But, you know, one of the things that I try to explain to them is I don't want to be a program that is a roller coaster because they, those happen all over the place at every level where they're fantastic a uh, couple years and then they're down and they're fantastic and then they're down. I want to be the Oklahoma University of NAIA softball where every time you think about hey, what team's going to vie for the championship at the Division One level? Everybody always says Oklahoma University, right. Oklahoma University. I want to be in that same category as far as the NAI is concerned. I mean, not throwing you under the bus here, my friend, but we were just talking about top NAIA programs. You mentioned OKC, you mentioned Southeastern, and I jokingly threw in Weber, right? right. Like, I want Weber to be the first thought or one of the first thoughts uh, that comes to people's minds. So that's my long-term goal is to do that and to get there. And how we get there is, again, going back to recruiting those kids that don't just have skill but have the will. So, like, they understand what it means to be committed to a long-term goal and, to a, and, and be part of a long-term success sort of thing. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Long-term goal um, is to be in the same category as um, the best of the best uh, year in, year out. And, you know, being someone from the Midwest who has spent all of their previous you know, 21 years of collegiate uh, coaching in cold weather environments, <laughs> um, I, I don't plan on going anywhere. Uh, this is – my wife and I i have already talked about, like, this is where I potentially could retire. So long-term – is real for me is like this is not a building uh, block this is not a, uh, a stop along my journey you know I'm old enough now where like if I stay here for the rest of my coaching career um, I'll be happy and I want to make sure I can look back and go mm, I'm happy because we are now the OU of NAI softball right and I want, I want to speak to that where you're here you're in a very beautiful place and you are not the only guy that I look at I mean you, you saying that I can add you in this category now you're not the only coach here that I feel like is Weber through and through or is really looking for 
long, long-term success in Babson Park. I think that speaks a lot to you know, Co- Coach James Simpson and Brad Niehammer, uh, uh, Assistant Athletic Director and Athletic Director at Weber International. And th- they've done an excellent job bringing the right guys in. You look at you know baseball, football, and basketball, they are Weber guys mm-hmm. led by you know mm-hmm. Coach Rutledge. They're off to a great start. Uh, they're, I believe, 11-5, and 6-1 and one in conference, yeah. or 5-1 in conference, looking to go 6-1 and one, uh, tonight against Florida Memorial. Baseball, obviously, great year last year. Football, I mean, you look, first year under Coach Eric Patochny, they go, to, or not they, we go 2-8. and eight. <laughs> yeah, We go 2-8. and eight. And then th- this past year, we go 7-4. and four. And, you know, a big win on the road against Southeastern, uh, a couple – uh, rough ones there at the end against you know two of the best teams in the country within St. Thomas and Kaiser, but there's still that progress all across Babson Park, and I think you're just another of that stepping stones. And you know, obviously, I keep my Weber bias out out of it more than <laughs> when I first started, but I really do think this place is. And you talk about being the Oklahoma of softball. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's an unrealistic goal. And I wouldn't be surprised if we look five, ten years back from now, we look at Weber as one of not just premier in softball, but one of the premier in NAIA athletic institutions. I don't think that's yeah. a, a crazy thing to say. Now, does that mean do I think Weber will be winning four red banners in the next five years? No. Do I think in five years' time will you'll see football, basketball, baseball, softball be competing at a higher level? Uh, well, I mean, baseball and softball have already made the World Series, but – uh, I get back there. I mean, obviously, last year for the Diamond Sports in Babson Park, it was the first time getting there. And let's see this year build on it. Uh, you know, Coach, I got I got one more question for you. I just can't thank you enough for coming on. And you know, let, let's hear it. You know, what's it going to take, and what can we expect from this team to get back to Columbus? Not only compete, mm-hmm. but I think a, a big goal for a lot of these girls coming back is to get there and at least get one win under their belt. So, what's it going to take to reach those lofty goals here? Sure. I think um, we have all of the ingredients. We just have to combine those ingredients in the right order in order to make that happen. Um, Last year's team was built on defense and pitching. I mean, they called Swenson the GOAT for a reason. You know, she dominated. um, And she had great defense behind her. So with all those, with most of those young ladies gone, it's actually refreshing to, to look at it and go, now I can develop a new identity. And our identity this year is we're going to be in a very aggressive offensive team. We're going to score a lot of runs, um, you know, because I am an offensive-minded coach. My assistants that I've brought in are offensive-minded, um, you know, and we will hit the ball a lot. And knowing that Jenna has the pitching talent that she has, knowing that we have fantastic freshman pitchers like Tori Nearing, Chloe Rayner, and Taylor Thomas, um, our pitching staff will be capable. We may not have one. But we may have 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. So teams aren't going to know what to expect. Who's going to dominate them at the moment on the mound? And we will be able to score a lot more runs with heavy bats than they have in the past. So what they can expect is if we're going to have one-run games, they're going to be 9-8. to eight. They're not going to be one to nothing. Well, you heard it right here first. <laughs> you can expect this Weber team to look a lot, lot different. You know, what what you told me that you know the big bats all that that's very exciting but the thing you just told me that i'm most excited about is the fact you have a one a one a a one b i think we're seeing a lot of 
uh, you know, staffs, not only in the Sun Conference, but in the NAI, mm -hmm. go to that more, get more of that staff feeling. And that's baseball and mm -hmm. softball. You're looking, it's like, okay, if I'm gonna go and play in a conference tournament, go play and win at least two or at least two or three games in uh, an opening round, mm -hmm. then go travel in Columbus and face off against nine of the other best arms in the country. Mm -hmm. More than that, if they're deep, 18, 20 best arms in the country potentially, I better have two or three uh, bullets in my gun re mm -hmm. ready to go. Yeah. And it sounds like you have gotten that. And coach, I just, I'm just ready to get back in Me the booth. Too, man. I, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I've been telling, I've been, I've been on interviews and, and, and telling and talking with these coaches. I said we're all like kids on Christmas morning, yep. ready to open up yep. the present, which is opening day. Yep. Coach Todd uh, Buck uh, Buckingham, thank yep. you so much for taking time. Yeah, thanks, out Reagan. Of, I appreciate it, Buck. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Go Warriors. Absolutely.